Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to yet another brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and very excited to have you here for another great episode. We got a great guest, as always, here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? All right, and welcome once again, everybody, into another brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, as we're very excited to have you here. As always, we've got a great guest on tap for this week's episode. It's former LMU guard forward Stephen Haney Jr. He just graduated uh, last season. He was a part of the team for three-plus years, uh, had a really outstanding career, just one of three players in LMU history to have over 200 three-pointers, a deep threat, a great guy. We talked to him about his career at LMU, his knowledge of the current team who he's you know, he was teammates with pretty much all of these guys except the current freshman uh, and his current professional career. He's in Kosovo right now playing in the Balkan League and having a really good season over there. So a good conversation with him. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Um, as always, if you do enjoy this show, we really appreciate uh, if you subscribe, rate us five stars and review. We've gotten so many great reviews and uh, ratings so far that it's helped us out a lot and we'll continue to do so. So please continue to do that. We appreciate it. Uh, and we are wherever you can find podcasts, uh, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. So uh, be sure to follow us on all those and follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass. That's J-E-S-S-E underscore K-A-S-S. So we appreciate you tuning in this week as we break down another week of LMU basketball for you. And this week of LMU basketball was certainly an exciting one. Uh, Gerson Pavilion, two home games for the Lions against the top two teams in the conference, the Gonzaga Bulldogs and the BYU Cougars. And of course, that Gonzaga game was a, a big-time headliner. Gonzaga at the time was number three in the entire country. They're now up to number two. But it was, despite the loss, LMU losing 73-60 was one of the more impressive and inspiring showings from an LMU team in quite a while. And that's... Certainly not knocking what this team has done all year long. They've had a great season at 17-10 and 10 right now. But just the effort against Gonzaga. Such a, a talented and well-rounded team. LMU pushed them to the limit. And that 13-point final is not indicative at all of how close that game was. LMU led by one with a little over eight minutes to go. They were down by just two with a little over four minutes to go. And Gonzaga was able to close that game on the 13-2 run. Uh, as LMU's offense went a little bit cold. But uh, it, as you said, it was an incredible effort. This is a Gonzaga team who has been mowing down the West Coast Conference uh, with no mercy at all. They've been beating teams by 30, 40, 50, almost 60 points on some occasions. And this was the Lions team that really stood up to them. And it's only the, the second time in conference play that Gonzaga has been tested at all. One of the other ones was against San Francisco very early in the conference season. Outside of that... They have had their way with ease with, with everyone else, but LMU pushed them to the limit. It was a, a great game plan, great effort. 
Lions controlled the tempo. They limited their turnovers, had just five in the entire ball game, and really just were physical with Gonzaga. Their their front line made it tough on Gonzaga. The backcourt was up pressuring the guards, not letting them get into their driving lanes. And, you know, the physicality paid off on the offensive end for the Lions as they had a huge advantage in second chance points in rebounding. They had the edge. So it was a game where while they ended up you know, coming up a little bit short, they certainly showed that uh, they're a threat in the West Coast Conference uh, and they're a threat going forward. And they followed it up a quick turnaround. It was an 8 p.m. game on Thursday night against Gonzaga. They followed it up with a 1 p.m. game on that Saturday against BYU, another home game. And again, a really strong effort from the Lions against BYU had come in winners of their last four games in a row. Um, you know, a couple of really impressive wins for the Cougars and LMU controlled much of the game. They ended up leading actually for 33 of the 40 minutes of the ball game uh, in a game that was close pretty much the whole way. LMU led at one point by 12. BYU led uh, at one point early in the first half by six. Um, but again, it was just uh, you know tough plays down the stretch. BYU went to their 1-3-1 zone and mixed up coverages, which they do often, and just uh, kind of the unfortunate timing of going cold at the wrong time against BYU. The Lions, who were leading by six, ended up giving up a 14-0 run, which led to an eight-point BYU lead and then pulling away to win by eight, 70-62. So certainly LMU disappointed in the results of that one, but again, showing that regardless of the competition, these are in the standings pretty far and away right now, the two strongest teams in the conference, and the LMU pushed them both to the limit. So you got to think... You know, just a few things here and there that you can tune up and you're right there in the thick of things. And while, as we said, the result is, is definitely disappointing and obviously the standings are, are really tight right now. Uh, there's still, you know, three games upcoming to, to reverse that and make some noise and uh, get themselves back near the top of the conference. Right now, looking at the conference standings, LMU at 5-8, and eight, which has them in a tie for 7th and 8th with Pepperdine. Uh, but just one game back of the five spot against a Santa Clara team that they've already beaten. They'll have another matchup. That matchup will be in Los Angeles. So uh, a couple of games that the Lions certainly feel like they can win. Um, so they'll be ready to go. And for LMU, I think the right timing as well for, you know, in, in conference play this year, there's been two weeks out of the, the season, which you have just one game. The second week for that for the Lions is coming up this week. They have just one game. It's on the road against Pacific. They'll have a little bit extra time, a little bit extra rest with no game on Thursday. Uh, so that will be a little boost for them to go forward and take on Pacific before the following week will be the end of the regular season. It goes by fast, but uh, the Lions will, following this game against Pacific on Saturday, as mentioned, they'll have that home game, which will be a senior night against Santa Clara at home in Los Angeles, and then they'll close the season with their only matchup of the year against San Francisco that'll be on the road. So really interesting that, you know, LMU will, will have played most of these teams in the conference twice, uh, and then they'll be seeing San Francisco for the very first time in the very last conference game. So still plenty of opportunity for the Lions to vault themselves, you know, potentially up to, to fifth or fourth even in the conference uh, with a couple of wins to close this thing out in the conference season. So, uh, you know, really good showings at home. Uh, and they'll look to build on those and see if they can close out a couple of ball games upcoming, starting with just this one on the week uh, on the weekend rather against Pacific. And if you're wondering, LMU did play Pacific earlier earlier this year in Gerson Pavilion just a couple weeks ago on January 31st, 
LMU dominated that game defensively. They won 60-42. to It'll obviously be a little bit tougher on the road, but they will certainly look to put up a similar effort and performance and get back in the win column as they take on the Pacific Tigers. So LMU, as it stands, 17-10 and on the year and 5-8 and in the West Coast Conference. We get closer and closer to the end of the regular season and to the West Coast Conference Tournament in Las Vegas uh, to close things out. So it should be really interesting. LMU still with a shot at a 20-win campaign, and regardless, they should be in contention for some kind of postseason tournament, uh, you know, obviously to get in the NCAA, it would likely have to be a run in the West Coast Conference Tournament, but other tournaments as well could still be in play. The NIT, the CBI, and the CIT are all postseason tournaments that could end up being, you know, really sig- significant and a lot of fun for the Lions to take part in. So it's been a great season for the Lions and still more good things to come for them who uh, continue to, to battle along uh, so as we mentioned, those records will keep you updated going forward as we always do. But right now we're going to transition and get you into our conversation with former LMU shooting guard small forward Stephen Haney Jr. Uh, his father played for LMU uh, back in the 80s with an assistant coach named Mike Dunlap, uh, who Stephen, of course, ended up playing for here at LMU. So a great connection there. He's a cousin of Magic Johnson. We talk about all those things and uh, including his career at LMU, his current career internationally. He's playing is set in Kosovo uh, in the Balkan League. So a lot of really good stuff with Stephen, who very graciously woke up with a nine-hour time difference to, to record this uh, basically in the middle of the night for him. So a really good conversation with a really good guy. So check it out, me and Stephen Haney Jr. here on the LMU Basketball Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm now joined by my guest, Stephen Haney Jr. He played three years for for the LMU Lions, just graduating last year. He's now playing internationally uh, and professionally. So, Stephen, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot for having me on here. And, Stephen, I said, uh, I said thanks for joining us. Uh, you, you're obviously up uh, pretty late right now. Uh, we appreciate that. But um, you mentioned you're playing internationally right now. Uh, in the Balkan League. So uh, what has that been like for you so far? We'll get into your time at LMU as well, but, you know, what has professional basketball been like for you so far? Um, It's been great. It's a great experience, something I've, you know, wanted to do for as long as I can remember. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, a lot lot different, Uh, definitely some adjustments, you know, especially off the court culturally, just adjusting to living in a new country, really being one of the few people in the entire town that speaks English and it's been great you know at the end of the day basketball is basketball and to you know still be playing at this age is an incredible thing yeah no question about it and we'll we'll circle back around to, to that and how you're doing in, the, in that league individually and what's going on but I do want to kind of go back to the start with you um, you know you your father played at LMU uh, when Mike Dunlap was an assistant coach and just for that uh, to come full circle and you end up playing for Mike Dunlap in your career at LMU, um, what was that like when you, you talked to your dad? You started at Central Florida, but to kind of make that connection and end up playing for you know the same guy that your father, one of the guys he played for in his time at LMU. Uh, it's actually it's great because, you know, growing up, I actually obviously knew about LMU and heard of LMU, uh, you know, a few of the different teams in the conference, Pepperdine, Santa Clara, uh, things like that that other kids growing up in Michigan probably hadn't heard about 
especially before the uh, you know 30 for 30 about the school came out so growing up I always kind of knew a little bit about LMU and remember you know him telling stories about when he got there as basically a kid as a 17 year old freshman so to be able to kind of make that return as a as a 19 year old kid transferring there was a pretty surreal thing it was definitely a huge reason of why um, I decided to make the decision to transfer LMU. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, that you did transfer. You started, you played that first year at Central Florida. What went into the decision to, to go to Central Florida? Was that just about staying, uh, you know, closer to home? Or what was that choice like? And then moving on and going to, to LMU, what was the decision-making process like for you? Um, honestly, a big part of it was, because as you mentioned, my last uh, two years of high school, I went to school in Florida. But honestly, I think at that point, I was just, being a young high school player who was being recruited by a lot of big schools, my mindset was just always kind of wanting to play at a big school. And at the time when I committed and signed uh, to go to UCF, they had agreed to be part of the Big East. So for me, that was a huge selling point, you know, thinking into the future, you know, playing conference games at Madison Square Garden and playing against the Georgetowns and the Louisvilles and, and, uh, you know, those schools in the Big East, which isn't the, the correct reason to pick a school in hindsight, but, you know, at that age, seemed like a good fit, and, it, you know, that Big East, that was something that I'd always kind of thought about and dreamed about uh, growing up as a kid. Yeah, and then moving on, what made you kind of, as you said, shift your priorities or, or want to go to a different place and end up picking LMU to spend the rest of your collegiate career? Um, well, I just think when I kind of got to the end of my freshman season, my dad and I were talking and, uh, you know, as a freshman, I was kind of in and out of the lineup and I was young going into, into college. I was still 17 when I graduated high school and I think physically I should have redshirted my freshman year, but we, at UCF, we actually were under, um, sanctions. So we only had, I think, 10 scholarships. So really they couldn't afford to redshirt anybody. I think kind of physically, my dad and I knew I needed a year to kind of catch up with other uh, Division One players because the skill set was there. But initially, when I first got there, I just really wasn't quite ready, especially at that high of a level, for them to feel they could trust me consistently. Uh, so then I kind of realized that at that point at UCF, I was always going to be basically a role player, and that was fine. And you know, I definitely enjoyed it there and could have stayed and been happy with that. But we talked and knew that for me to, you know, want to be able to play professionally one day, if, I, if that's what I really wanted to do, it'd probably be better to make a move somewhere, take a year to redshirt, to really develop, get better, work on my game, work on my body, and then, uh, you know, try to go somewhere, earn a bigger role, and, you know, try to, you know, make something happy for my future. Yeah, and when you got to LMU, uh, what was that like mentally for you? As you mentioned, it's you know you're still playing big teams and good teams, but the the buildings are a little bit smaller than you would see in USF. Uh, a little bit different different atmosphere. What was that adjustment like for you, and and how did that go when you first arrived at LMU? Uh, I think it's it was a huge benefit for me, uh, just because everything was much more personal around the school. You knew a lot more people by name and you could have conversations with people and I think for me that was a huge part in me developing as a player but probably even more as a person just 
being able to actually build relationships and you know trust people and have people that wanted to see you do well and, and we're, we're really willing to help you succeed yeah and and through some of these first couple episodes that i've recorded i've talked to a couple of your former teammates uh you're the one who's been you know the closest remove to the team obviously being on the team last year and just graduating recently so you're very close with almost all of these guys on this current year's team how much have you been able to to follow along and and what do you think of this this year's edition of the team and how they've been able to to be successful so far yeah i mean i try to watch as many games as i can and obviously it's difficult with the nine hour time difference yeah. but um and i just watched this uh byu game the other day because it actually wasn't on too late and uh it's pretty crazy i kind of knew last year especially after um i got injured at the end of the year and was just kind of watching instead of being completely involved you could definitely tell that um they would have a chance to really you know be good this year just because of the camaraderie that was built last year and some of the individual talent you could just see that you know if they were able to put it together and maybe add one or two more pieces that they definitely um you know would be a special team this year which for the most part they've shown throughout the year yeah and you mentioned you were a part of that team last year and while you guys had your struggles you know early on through the season it did kind of get that sense that at the end of the year i know you mentioned you got hurt but right before that you were playing really well the team kind of started to hit its stride at the end of the conference season and then going into the conference tournament um what led to that kind of clicking moment for the team and and have they been able to carry that forward to this year um I think it just a big thing was the youth of the team and just having to mature over time. I mean, I think the best example is probably Matias and just, I mean, if people saw where he was when he first came on his visit, when he first came in as a freshman to, you know, where he was at the end of last year and then even to this year, it's, it's mind boggling how much better he's gotten, how much more confidence he's gained. And then even, Look at the freshmen, I think, you know, Eli, Z, those guys, Joe, those guys last year came in and were impactful players, but probably had a little inconsistencies and probably just didn't, hadn't quite figured it out and how to, you know, bring it all together as a team. And obviously James has, he had a great season last year, he's had a great season this year. And um, just to see how fat, how quickly he adjusted to, you know, being relied so heavily upon at the Division One level is extremely impressive. So I think it's just all those guys kind of putting those individual abilities they have and being able to string it together as a team. Yeah, no question. And and for you, you mentioned you had to kind of let your body develop and, and you know enhance your skill set as you as you came over to LMU, um, and you definitely did. Uh, you know, uh, your name on a lot of the spots in the LMU record book, including only one of three players over 203 pointers and the only one to do it in three seasons um how long did it feel like for you that it took to to feel like you were comfortable at the d1 level and when you were how were you able to to translate that to the success that you had um i think for me even my freshman year i could at times you know i had a few good games and you know but it just was that consistency thing and i think that's the hardest thing for young players come in or why a lot of freshmen aren't able to play is just being able to consistently play hard and and, and do it effectively at that level and I think uh, probably about halfway through my redshirt year I could kind of I really felt confident in myself and the way I'd started to grow probably put on about 15 pounds of muscle and 
just felt my game was getting better and being able to play basically as a practice player in practice, having to do a lot, having to be relied upon a lot, playing against the starters definitely helped my development a lot and it gave me a lot of confidence going forward since we lost a lot of players after that season and Coach Dunlap, you know, felt confident enough to make me one of the captains going in as a redshirt sophomore. That, I think, alone gave me a huge confidence boost and just, you know, really helped me feel good going into my first season playing there. And, um, you know, obviously, even throughout all three years, definitely a lot of ups and downs that I felt very ready and very much I hit the ground running, basically, the first year I was eligible to play and kind of just kept it going on throughout the three years I was there. Yeah, and you just you alluded to Mike Dunlap making you a you know a captain kind of right off the bat, and that was something you know just being around you guys was pretty evident. Was just your willingness to take on a leadership role. It obviously developed more as you became you know a junior and a senior, but to have that and that responsibility on the team, what was that like uh, being one of the leaders of the team? Uh, I mean, it definitely, I think was something that, like you mentioned, changed and developed year by year, kind of as a different type of leader each year and I think the first year just was kind of something almost (laughs) out of necessity because we lost so many players that you know there weren't a lot of returning guys and you know I'm not naturally a I'm not a naturally super extroverted person and I kind of started out just trying to lead by example and you know show everyone you know the right way to do things and you know how coach Dunlap wanted things done then with some of the guys that came in, um, that are some of the JUCO guys like uh, Shamar and Brandon and Autumn and BT and those guys, um, I think it kind of, that year, those next two years kind of turned into a leadership by committee type thing, where each of us kind of had our own, you know, specific thing, that uh, specific way that we could help lead the team. And the last year, I just kind of tried to put together all the, you know, information, everything I knew about Coach Dunlap since it was our fourth year together since counting my red shirt year and just you know be as vocal as I could but at the same time keeping that leading by example making sure that it's hard to you know tell people to do one thing when you're not doing it yourself so to me that was always the biggest thing is being someone as a captain and leader those guys could look up to is to you know make sure to hold myself accountable and not try to hold them to a different standard. Yeah, and, and you talked about wanting to play when you were first coming out of high school, you know, in the Big East and some of the bigger buildings and atmospheres. Obviously, in the West Coast Conference, there are a number of those as well. You know, Gonzaga and BYU, who, you know, this team's, this year's edition just played this past weekend, come to mind. But uh, it seemed like you were always, not that you didn't play well in general, but you always played very well and were up for those games. Was that something that's just kind of ingrained in you as, you were looking forward to those big moments and wanted to rise to the occasion? Uh, that's something I honestly, as a kid, got in trouble a lot, a lot of times with my dad. Is just He'd be mad at me for making it seem like I wanted to play harder in those bigger occasions as <laughs> we played teams that we were supposed to beat out have a you know bad game. But I think it's just a lot of players, you know, you see those chances as a you know chance to prove yourself, and that's you know, been one of the biggest things in my basketball career is wanting to prove people that, you know, might say you can or can't do one thing that, you know, that you're just as good as anybody else. And I think that's kind of, you know, how almost all successful athletes feel in a sense. Yeah. And and what are some of the moments that stand out for you as far as your LMU career? There's obviously a lot to choose from, but 
Um, anything in particular come to mind when in terms in terms of you know potentially a single game or a single moment that that really stands out in your mind? Um, I think all the Pepperdine home games. I know that I think it was my redshirt sophomore year where we went. I think it was double overtime, and yeah, we hit a couple big threes to to send the game. And I remember you know playing well and having just after no senior night just the great feeling to send those guys out to send uh martin and was, was that their senior martin and david out with a, a huge win on their senior night that was a yeah, lot of that fun was one. And then obviously last year and the last game i played at lmu being able to beat Pepperdine at home and i have a career high and like you said in that game be able to get the 200 career threes with uh you know jeff fryer and bo kimball there was a honestly a great experience and cool to see them there and all the uh players from that team and then last year as well the home game against Gonzaga where I had you know a really good first half and we were in the game fighting with them for a lot of the time and you know that being an ESPN game it was cool to not a lot of people at home get to see me play consistently and see it like that so I you know had a lot of messages saying it was awesome to you know see me basically living out what they I've been telling people I wanted to do since I was you know a little kid as long as they'd known me. Yeah, and in the, in that game, the uh, the Pepperdine game you alluded to, which ended up being your last one, you uh you didn't th- know that was going to be your last game going in, but were were you aware of the uh, the three point total? As you mentioned, you got you got over two hundred, and it wasn't like it was a one or two threes. You hit six in that ball game. Uh, was that something that was on your mind, or, or that you were aware of going into that, knowing that you could potentially get over that number? Yeah, well, finally and thankfully. Before the season started, that was one of the goals that I'd set. Looking at how many I'd made and looking at you know reachable goals, I definitely wanted to try to um, get to 200 career threes. And I wasn't I wasn't looking at it like game by game breaking it down like that. But I think I knew going into that game I like needed a certain amount. But when the game is going on, I can't like say oh that's one, that's two, that's three. <laughs> I just yeah. knew that I'd made quite a few and I was having a good game. I think I actually remember at one point after like a timeout hearing the announcer say that I had reached 200 career threes and I was, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, that's something that I've really been working for specifically this year. And like I said, luckily I was able to do it in the last game before I got hurt at the end. Yeah, and that's something that I think is, you know, an amazing accomplishment for a number of reasons. But, uh, you know, just being able to watch you for your entire time at LMU, you know, there's a lot of, really good shooters, you know, up and down the league and, in, you know, in the country and college basketball in general. But one thing that I always noticed with you was just your ability to, to get open and always be ready to shoot, especially off of curls. How much practice and how much time did that take, just the, the aspect of being ready to shoot um, whenever you got the ball? Because it seemed like that was something that you were especially good at. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a confidence that I've had in myself a lot just because of the amount of time I put in just that's probably 12, 13 years old, but also the confidence that um, over the years the coaching staff had put in me, you know, they definitely stuck by me in times when I wasn't making shots, times when I was making shots, and the message was always the same, you know, to always be ready, and if, you know, I had some space to, to let it fly, and, you know, as long as I was playing hard and doing things besides just shooting the ball, that I would have the, the freedom to do that as long as I was taking care of um you know, other areas on the court as well as, you know, rebounding, defending, and things of that nature. So it's definitely just confidence from 
the amount of time that I put in individually and also from the coaching staff and my teammates. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we mentioned, obviously, your dad has been, you know, a big factor for you having played basketball, you know, when he grew up. Um, you know, not everyone might know that you're a cousin of, of Magic Johnson. Um, you know, how much do you guys stay in touch and how much did he influence just your love of basketball growing up? Um, well, that's, finally, that's actually the main reason my dad went to LMU as a, as a freshman because he and Irvin well, my entire family basically went to, to every high school and um, Irvin was out here and that's back when the Lakers used to practice in Gerbston. And so uh, he actually had kind of urged my dad to come out here and thought it'd be a good place for him to come. So that's the main reason that my dad actually went to LMU in the first place. But, you know, I, mean, I talk to my dad every, even now, getting older, talk to him every day about practices, games, suggestions. And as I've gotten older, he's kind of, step back a little bit trying to you know letting me obviously make my own decisions be my own person but he's someone I you know always come to good bad or indifferent um after every game after every practice and with Irvin um I'll probably see him once a summer at family reunions or at his uh mom's birthday party usually when I'm home in Lansing he just is you know supportive always asks if there's anything I need says that he's you know extremely proud of you know being able to see me when I was a young kid going to his camps you know, up to this point where um, I am now in my career. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, mentioned before that obviously you just talking about your dad playing at LMU uh, and his connection with Mike Dunlap. Uh, did you have a relationship with Mike Dunlap um, before your time at LMU? Uh, and did that influence you at all to come to LMU when you were making that decision to transfer? I had never um, talked to him before. My dad had told me told me stories about him before and I'd actually met um, one of the other um, coaches I had on staff one of the other assistant coaches Larry Lissette a few times when I was really young and um, when I told my dad I was thinking about transferring that was one of the first calls that was made was actually uh, with Coach Ray Johnson as well because Coach Ray used to work um, at uh, camps that my dad and Irvin used to run together uh, for pros in San Diego so with those two that he knew well it kind of I mean, really, at the end of the day, I almost didn't look at any other schools. It was kind of, that was just a decision that, you know, I was ready to make and looked like a perfect fit. Yeah, no, it obviously worked out really well. Uh, we mentioned that you're um, you're playing internationally right now. Um, you know, you're having a, a really good season over there individually, about over 17 points a game, five rebounds, three assists. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, you're in an unfamiliar place playing in the, the Balkan League. Um, a couple other Americans on your team, but what's it, what's the whole experience been like so far? Just to to play in that unfamiliar place in a new culture and you know continue your basketball career. Yeah, it's definitely been been interesting. It's um, I'm playing in Kosovo, which is right. It borders Macedonia and Albania, and then Serbia to the north. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, it's been a lot different. It's been a lot of fun, you know. Uh, luckily my two other American teammates that were here when I got here they're great guys and I was able to mesh with them really well and um, you know our assistant coach he actually lived in Michigan a few years he's from here and his girlfriend lives in in Mount Pleasant Michigan or Central Michigan is so that was you know a cool connection to make right away and you now it's been, been a lot of fun like you said uh, I've been you know enjoying a good season and 
played against you know some really good teams, played against a couple bad teams, but you know, it's been a lot of fun and definitely been a platform to help me uh, progress in my uh, career in the future. Yeah, and uh, where are you looking to go in the future? Obviously, you know, there's so many different leagues and, and places in America and overseas. Uh, what are your ultimate goals for, for your professional career and, and where you want to take it? Um, I mean, honestly, I just want to see, obviously, playing basketball professionally, especially in Europe, is kind of just like a stepping ladder and, you know, just basically wanting to see how far I can push myself to, the, to what level I can play and, you know, obviously you know how long the body and all that can hold up and how much progression you're making is a big part of that but I mean I kind of you know want to see how far how high I can go with it especially since I've you know had some really good games this year against some good teams and played well and you know it's given me confidence to know that this is something that I'm capable of doing and I'm finally back feeling you know healthy and feeling you know better than I did before and so you know just seeing how long that lasts and you know how far I can take this, how high I can get it. Yeah, and how tough was that? Obviously, we mentioned it you know, a little bit ago that you had to miss the end of your senior season with LMU. You did go out on a high note with that really good last ball game against Pepperdine, but uh, not only to miss the last few games, but just the recovery process of, as you mentioned, kind of just getting yourself back to full strength and, and getting to the level that you, you're accustomed to being at. Uh, definitely mentally, it was pretty draining, especially since coming into my senior year I'd never had any type of serious injury high school middle school college as far as I could look back and in the preseason I mean I even had to have surgery in September which it looked like I wasn't probably going to play until conference started but I ended up you know only missing one game the very first game of the season and it probably definitely came back early but I mean Keith and Chris Graham the way those guys were there for me in any way I needed mentally, you know, physically to help me. And you know, I basically told them I don't want to miss any games. I know I won't be able to play this first game, but on this day I want to be ready to play. And they were like, all right, all right, let's get you there and let's do whatever we have to to get you there. So to go through that process after surgery and to work that hard at the end of the year get hurt again was it definitely was tough. made me think about, you know, just kind of hanging it up there and saying, because to go through that process of, you know, two and a half, three months of inactivity, you'd have to build all that fitness back, strength back, you know, get your game back and then have it already be into the summer at that point. But I kind of looked at it and said, you know, you only get, you know, one opportunity to do something like this. And luckily I played well enough during that year for, you know, for some agents to be wanting me to sign up their agency and telling me they felt they could, you know, help me have a good career. So, I kind of just had to buckle down and again with the help of Keith and Chris even though I wasn't technically on the team anymore the help you know I received from them they're great people and you know the support and you know those two guys specifically I would say are a huge part of why I'm here right now and able to you know still compete at the level that I can yeah no question and that's obviously great to hear that you know that connection remains even after graduating from the university and from the team um Steve, before we let you go, uh, we did mention the the current team a little bit. They're seventeen and ten right now. Obviously, we're just in the mix and some really close ball games with the top two teams in the conference in Gonzaga and BYU. Um, and what you've seen of the team, uh, what do you think of just how, what they've done this year and, and going forward to close it out in these final games in the conference tournament and potentially a postseason? 
uh, what do you see kind of their ceiling being and where they can go to, to close out the season? Um, I mean, I think right now, looking at the conference, is so tight. There's so many close spots. Uh, I talked to Eli Scott almost every day, and I remember even in the preseason, he was telling me, he was like, I really think, you know, we have a chance to finish up close to that fourth spot. And, you know, look at them. There's definitely some winnable games coming up to where if they can, you know, get the right results against the right teams, they can push for a good spot. I know I remember hearing that the conference was kind of switching up how they do the tournament. So depending on where you finish in the regular season can have a big impact on, you know, how many games you play and who you're playing against. So I think if they can go on a little run these last few games and get themselves up as high as they can in the standings, I mean, looks like a chance good chance they might be able to get the 20 wins which would be a huge uh landmark for everybody for the entire program yeah absolutely and um obviously your impact on the team from being a leader for a lot of these guys and you know just a contributor last year has definitely helped them out this season as well and uh, as we said we appreciate you coming on the show and uh we wish you tremendous luck in your professional career we're sure we're sure we'll be hearing a, a lot from you in the future for, for sure yeah definitely thanks a lot for have me on here, Jesse. And we thank Stephen Haney Jr. once again. Uh, be sure to uh, to follow him in his career as he continues to play really well professionally. Uh, he's done a great job. He was a great lion, so we appreciate him once again. And as we look to close out this week's edition of the LME Basketball Podcast, know that you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Believe Podcast. You can also find the podcast on Believe.com and anywhere where podcasts are available, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate us five stars, and review. We've gotten a lot of great reviews, and they really help us out. So continue to do that for us, please. Um, And continue to follow along for the LMU schedule, as we said. Upcoming this week, just one game. It'll be a Saturday, 12.30 p.m. afternoon game at Pacific. So just one game on the road for the Lions. Uh, Tune us in on that Saturday afternoon. I'll be on the call on KXLU 88.9 FM in Los Angeles and on LMULions.com and KXLU.com, anywhere out of market where you can find that uh, radio broadcast from myself. So we really appreciate you following along with the Lions. The 17-10 and Lions will look to get themselves back into the winning column this week as we appreciate you listening once again. We want to thank Stephen Haney Jr. again and know that If you love the Believe Podcast Network, there are so many other shows to follow along as well. Uh, So take a look at Believe.com. A lot of shows uh, up and down the gamut of UCLA basketball, USC basketball, Angels, Dodgers, Lakers, Clippers, Rams. Everything in L.A. is covered there. So go take a look and follow some of those shows as well. As we uh, sign off, we want to say that if you are listening, this is L.A.'s number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our L.A. teams. Do you believe? Go Lions! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.